0: Pride would never set foot in paradise, would it? And beauty will save the world, won't it? And enthusiasm does conquer all, doesn't it?
1: You want some sexy? You want to laugh? License to talk. For <laughs> the program, Lisa Marie Redman. She is the author of her new book, A Full Cold Moon the fourth installment of the Lauren Riley Cold Case Series. How are you, Lisa? I'm great. How are you guys? Hanging in there. Hanging in there? Yeah, so...
2: Well, I heard one of you have, since the last I've talked to you, one of you have had some really good news.
1: Yep, we got a new member of the family here at the Korean household. He's doing great, and uh, th- thank you. Um, it's definitely the, the time to have it, I guess. So teach him a lot there ain't a lot to do, so we're trying to get him to roll, you know?
2: Oh, that's
1: so awesome. So you've been busy since the last time we talked to you. What's been going on? I, I've i been really busy.
2: I have uh, published um, A Full Cold Moon, which is the fourth book in my cold case investigation series with uh, Lauren Riley. And once again, uh, she mm-hmm. starts out in Buffalo and... Uh, Gets in all kinds of trouble, but uh, because I have a new publisher for the series, my old publisher, Midnight Inc., uh, the big publishing house behind that imprint, decided they didn't want to publish mysteries anymore. uh, And I thought the series was dead after my third book. uh, Severn House out of London came and picked up the series. So the fourth book has a little... um, international flair to it because it's an international publisher and uh Lauren Riley does end up in Iceland of all places.
1: Oh. Well, she's used to the cold.
2: Yes, she's very suited for the Icelandic climate.
1: So when you start writing something like that, are you researching Iceland?
2: I I did go to Iceland. Oh, you've and, been there. Yes, I have been and it's wonderful and it was I went up, I went in February and not this past February, two February's ago. And it was warmer in Iceland than it was in Buffalo. Really? Yes. And so it's, but, but similar, uh, like two degrees, within two degrees the entire time. So similar cold, but for someone who is not used to that kind of cold, uh, I could see them being um, maybe a little shocked. And that's what happens in my book is uh, without spoiling it too much. Detective Riley is paired up with an FBI agent and he is from originally from warmer climates and has never experienced a Buffalo winter, let alone an Icelandic winter. And so he's very much a fish out of water.
1: And tell the listeners, just so that we can remind them, you are a retired Buffalo detective.
2: I am. I am a retired uh, Buffalo, city of Buffalo, cold case homicide detective.
1: So you know your stuff. So there's not a lot of research that goes into your end of it. But talk about the research when you, are you researching other laws or to have those little snippets in, in, in your book? Like... Iceland law, like oh, we we, we can't enter here until we go to the Magistry or something like that.
2: <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I had to do. A, I had to do a lot of research, not just having been to the country, but you have to get into the little technical details as well. So I had to um, reach. I actually had to reach out to the one of the tour operators from when I went and visited there and explained, you know, I'm an author and I need information. And that person happened to have a cousin who was on the Icelandic police department, who I sent all kinds of uh, specific questions to. And uh, she sent me back um, a lot of great information. And then I had to also meet with someone uh, from from the FBI to sit down and get details about, you know, how how exactly an international investigation would take place Uh, because in the book. And once again, it's not really a spoiler because as soon as you open it, it's the opening scene. Uh, the person that's murdered is an Icelandic citizen, and the problem that Lauren Riley faces is that nobody knows what to do or who to call when an Icelandic citizen or any foreign citizen. And I, because I, what got me thinking about it was that the whole time that I was in um, up in homicide. I don't remember ever handling a foreign homicide, or even some something someone as close as Canada, a Canadian citizen getting mur- murdered. And when I started making phone calls to people I knew still on the job, no one could really remember anyone that was a foreign citizen getting murdered here in Buffalo or handling a case, you know. Which. Is a good thing, I guess. So if
1: yeah.
2: you're visiting here, you're very, very, very safe. If you're from another country.
1: No, well and- that that's got that's got to be interesting. That you know what? Now that I'm out of the job, I'm gonna do something that I never it never came across my desk. So that you're getting really creative there, Lisa. I have to hand it to you.
0: Yeah, because I always I always wonder if to write it like it's a standalone n- novel on its own. You know, like. You don't have to read all of them. I, don't, you know, your process has to be so different.
2: Well, for the this fourth book, because it was released, it was actually released in the UK first, so it's been out in the UK since January. So I had to write it as if it was a standalone, as if the first three books didn't exist, and you could just pick it up and start to read it. So my process was, for definitely for that book, very different than my other books and the, another thing that happened was when they were talking about picking up the series I had not written the book and I had to do an uh, uh an outline a very detailed outline uh 11 pages and that's what sold the book was the 11 page outline which made it easier to write as well because I just had this sort of roadmap. Which I had never done that before. The sort of roadmap from the beginning all the way to the end, and I just sort of had to go through and fill in that skeleton.
1: How how has it been uh, perceived in uh, the UK?
2: You know, I you know I really don't know uh, because of you know because of the coronavirus. I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming it's doing okay because the publisher. Uh, just asked my agent if i was willing to do two more books
0: wow oh, oh that's gonna feel great
2: yeah so we're in the process of negotiating that you know um, nothing set in stone but you know the offer was made and we're, we're working that's very recent like in this past week and so um we're working on that right now
1: so you're this is kind of i mean i don't want to say this this is kind of perfect for you <laughs> you're locked yeah. in with you you know with your laptop there
2: yeah, you know, it, it, I'm, I haven't had since – I start, I stopped doing the final edits, and believe it or not, this is how fast the turnaround is. I stopped doing the final edits on both the, the fourth book in the series and my new standalone for Crooked Lane books out of New York City. Both the final edits were due October 31st, and the book was released in England in January.
1: Oh, that's great. It's a good turnaround. So.
2: Yeah, um, once they, you know, once they have, you know, sort of the, the main idea. So the book, was, I had a cover. The book wasn't even finished and I had, I had a cover. Um, so once they have it and they know it's going to be printed, you know, when you get into the slot, it, 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 it goes pretty fast from there. And then, like I said, I have another book that got published just April 7th. And that's called yeah. The Secrets They Left Behind. And that's a totally different type of book. It features a much younger, it's a it's a female cop, but she's not a detective, um, that has to go undercover in this rural town to try to find out what happened to these three missing college students. So that's a um, very, very different kind of book.
1: I think you just got my uh, Mother's Day gift for my wife there. The, <laughs> the Secrets They Left Behind, the new book by... Uh... Lisa Marie Redmond there.
2: Yeah, so that it just came out, and it's you know, it's very strange to uh, release a book, and and my a full cold moon officially comes out in May, but it's it's because of the coronavirus. It's been available here in the states since February, although it officially doesn't come out until May. It's it's been in Barnes and Noble. You know, they they sort of pre released it.
0: It was a gift. It's yeah. a gift to us.
2: Yeah, right. But one thing I am really excited about is both the secrets they left behind and a full cold moon are available in audiobook.
0: Who's really? doing it? Your yeah. husband is your husband
1: read them?
2: D- no, my husband. He only <laughs> reads nonfiction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how no. do, how do you uh, that's that's interesting? How do you pick who who picks who reads it? Or is it just kind of like one of those uh, computer audio things?
2: No, they have voice actors, and for the secrets they left behind, my publishing house was kind enough to say, you know, this is the person we want to do it, and, you know, here are some samples of her reading, and I really liked her voice, and went with her uh, for a full cold moon, They they just picked who they wanted, and. That's not out yet. Uh, I believe the audiobook comes out May 5th. So I won't know if it's an American accent or a British accent. <laughs> oh, that's great. Until yeah. May
0: 5th. How weird is that? Did, did you listen to it?
2: <laughs> no, you know, I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to.
0: I would have been too.
1: I'm not even <laughs> going to try a British accent right now.
0: But i have worked for too long. And that's just part of the deal with the...
2: No, we. uh, So my agent. So so my first three books, we got our because like I said, my publishing house, that um, first publishing house, decided not to um, uh, sell any more mysteries. They're still selling the first three books, but my agent managed to get the audio rights back. So when he got the audio rights back, he sold them, and when he sold them, the audio book company also wanted to do a full called moon. So they bought the rights for all four books and that's how that went. And then um, the other, so it's so, it's so, it's so confusing. I have three different publishing houses right now and that I'm working with. And I'm thank goodness. I have an agent to keep everything straight because I, I would be a terrible flustered mess. Um, but it's but because of that, my first three books are going to be coming out in audiobook as well. Just one, I believe the first one, uh, Cold Day and Hell, the audiobook is coming out in June. And then the second one, The Murder Book, is coming out in July. And then the third, uh, A Means to an End, is coming out in August, I believe.
1: Well, you've been busy since we yes. last seen you.
0: I know. I couldn't yeah. believe how fast those books came out. What was that like? That had to be like... A whirlwind.
2: so as of so as of April seventh, I'll have published five books in three years. Wow,
1: oh my gosh I haven't that, even I think I'm I run a voice and a long time ago.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I'm tired. um but but I also got involved in it this this is a fun project. I haven't so my both of the last two books I published went to the publishing house on October 31st. And so I said, I'm going to give myself a break. I'm not writing anything for six months. But then on Super Bowl Sunday, we were driving back. We had um, my husband and I had spent the weekend with some friends and we were driving back and I got a, a text message or excuse me an email from another writer who asked if I would be interested in contributing a short story to an anthology. And it sounded like so much fun. I I said, sure, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And my story got accepted. And it's a um, a group of short stories all based on songs by Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so my short story uh, is based on the song, If I Could Just Get It Down on Paper, and it's about a uh, heist of a Super Bowl pool From a bar in Key West, Florida.
1: Ah, clever.
2: And it was super fun to write. So that was was such a pleasure.
1: Where can we find that, that, Lisa?
2: Uh, That will be out probably early next year from Down and Out Books.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Wow. And the research for that, the people you probably talked to, I mean, that's very close to home.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, so I had to sit down. But here's the thing is, you know, obviously, if you're from Buffalo, you it's, you know, mandatory. You have to be a, a football fan and but a I degenerate didn't... gambler. <laughs> <laughs> but I, ha- I didn't know that much about football pools. So I had to sit down with someone that I knew that, you know, participated in football pools and talk about, you know, some of the bigger ones that even, you know, like he can't even. You know he doesn't have the cash to even get involved in, and how much money is involved? Well,
1: now you know, now, thinking, now the guys are that are running there are getting ten percent right off the top. It used to be they run them just so you stop in and you buy a beer. You know now it's it's become a PayPal business. I mean people are paying their fucking taxes with them. I, I mean it's it, it's really been crazy. So that that's very clever that you you went that route.
2: I and I couldn't believe when when you start talking about some of these like. Really expensive, like how much it was just to, you know, get in and what the payoffs were, and I'm thinking, how has no one ever knocked over, you know, one
0: of these? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, I have, <laughs> and you don't know. It, that's the thing, is that most of the time it's probably an inside job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly, and here's the thing, and it's brilliant because you could never, you can't report that.
0: You no, know, not at all. No. Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth. Yeah.
2: You know, and I'm thinking this, this is like the perfect crime. How has this not happened? But then I think it probably
0: has. Oh, god! <laughs> <who can laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, it's it, that's very very clever, and I, I, people in Buffalo will get a kick out of that. Yeah, I, I mean that is true Buffalo fashion. Make sure you get that
1: over that anthology over at Dog Ears Bookstore because that that'll fly if they if they know that's in there, especially with all these parrot heads. You know.
2: Oh. And how could I mean? How could you not love Jimmy Buffett? I can't wait to read the rest of the stories in the anthology. So that was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, look so, at you, scrapping and working and hustling, and that's what we like at License to
0: Talk. Yeah, and uh, so in the third book, you did you? It was dedicated to your grandfather.
2: It is dedicated to my grandfather, oh. uh, Joe Koget, who is still alive and well, living in North Carolina.
0: And, and there was a story you had in there, and I was wondering if it was true. And I'm I'm not very deep into the book right now, but it was about someone owning a store and how the the hookers would give him his money to hold on to it.
2: That was, is a true story. No way! That,
0: tell tell our listeners that story. I, I I was reading it and I was like, there's just no way this one's made up. <laughs>
2: no, that is a true story. So my husband's father, uh, Dan Redmond. Senior, his father owned a store on Chippewa Street. Uh, it would be, it would have been right on the corner um, where, if you remember the old 67 West, I don't even know, oh yeah, uh, if what it's called now. Uh, they had a patio there, and right where that patio had been, his grandfather, or excuse me, his father owned, maybe it was his grandfather owned a store there. And he, when he was a kid, he used to work there, and the prostitutes used to have him hold their money, and the prostitutes always got credit, and that's true. And he asked, "Why do you always, you know, extend them credit?" And he said, "Because the prostitutes always pay their bills." And that is a that's a true story. Wow. And my, um, so my father in law, who's a, just a wonderful man, he's full of stories um you know he, he talks about you know that was when chippewa street was the red light district and he actually knew uh the great boxer um jimmy slattery and knew him at the end of his life when he was living down on chippewa street and he was actually interviewed for the book that uh, richie blake wrote about um slats and that's the name of the book is slats um to talk about, you know, remembering him on Chippewa Street. But that is a absolutely a true story. And, you know, so sometimes my real life does bleed into, a little bit, into my books.
0: But um, also, like, you know, I love how, like, your first book, I from what I'm reading now, it's, you know, kind of goes, the first and the third one are kind of more connected. And then, like, the second one kind of went political.
2: You, you know, the because it was a a trilogy because I knew I had a three book deal and it was a trilogy. The second book is sort of a bridge book. The second and third book really should be one book, but I'm not JK Rowling and they won't <laughs> let me um, publish 500 page books. <laughs> so, you know, it, um, I hate, and I, you know, the, my second book, spoiler alert does end on a cliffhanger, um, which I didn't want to do, but I, I had to, once again, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't allowed to write a 500 page book. Um, so it really, you know, uh, but, um, the three, the thread that runs through all three, you know, um, one of the things I tried not to do was get too preachy. Um, and I mean, people, people read mysteries for entertainment. Um, I really tried to stay out of political commentary as much as I possibly
1: could. Yeah. Yeah. We talk Um, it with a old guests uh you got to watch it in buffalo it's some it can be uh communist yeah. china which which is funny now uh, what, what's coming out it's
0: fun, like sometimes when i'm reading i'm like i don't think that that coffee shop's real or you know this place is actually there but the car chase at the end of the second book is great cuz that i felt like was a ride i've taken a million times
2: it and i and i tried but it's also it's also every i think every single person in buffalo has driven on the Skyway when all of a sudden you can't see.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> and that
2: gripping, you know, that fear that where you all you can see that you know that five feet in front of you, and maybe you see the tail light of the car in ahead, and you know the wind is is howling, and you know I, I I tried to play on that that fear that all of us Buffalonians have of being up on that Skyway, you know, and you know anyone who's done that run knows that that's going five miles an hour is scary now imagine going 60 miles an hour in that
1: well the local people in buffalo definitely got to get on the bandwagon here with lisa marie i mean just to relate to a lot of the stories because it's a buffalo area the new book is called a full cold moon it's available at dog ears what's oh
2: yes Both of my, both, A Full Cold Moon. Well, actually, all of my books are available at Dog Years.
1: Awesome. And And, Tommy's been really helping us out, so we're really partnering with him. So this is great.
2: Oh, he's, the bookstore's amazing. They're doing takeout. Uh, We try to get takeout from them once a week. Uh, You know, just keep supporting those local businesses. But to, to to go back to touch on something from my book three that's dedicated to my, you know, it really is a small world it's dedicated to my grandfather who growing up, we called him big fish because he used to tell me stories and we all thought he was making them up. And it turned out that there was, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, and we, I found that out later in life. And in February, my, the very last, um, book, uh, appearance I made was in Alabama. So I had to fly to Alabama and I did two cities. I did one in Birmingham and then this smaller um, venue in this place called Watumwa, Alabama. <laughs> and the, it's claim to fame is that the movie big fish was filmed there.
0: Whoa, no way.
2: Yeah. So I was super excited and I, I got up and I was, I was, I did my panel talk and, I was, you know, when I was sitting and then between panels, you know, they wanted us to sit at had tables and they wanted us to sit with the guests. And I was sitting at this table and this uh, gentleman approached me and he was probably 80 years old. And he said, I just wanted to tell you that I was born and raised in Tonawanda and grew up there. And I left in the 50s out and, you know, I was floored, you know, because everywhere I go, I meet someone from Buffalo. Every I, without fail, everywhere I go, doesn't matter if I'm in Wetumma, Alabama, or you know, Saint Petersburg, Florida, Washington D.C. Every single place I've gone, someone has come up to me, and they're from Buffalo, the Buffalo area. And if we could just get our act together, I'm thoroughly convinced we could take over the country.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I agree with you. Oh, that that's got to be fun because you're right. It seems like everything you run into has a Buffalo connection or there's a Buffalo guy. Uh, I I was in Toronto once and this guy was challenging me how many times I seen this band and I told him and he goes, next thing you're going to do is tell me that, you know, this guy, Ronnie Leiston. I said, yeah, Ronnie's a really good friend of mine. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it never fails. It, always with the Buffalo connections, good or bad. Sometimes.
2: You know, um, it's 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 it, it's because it becomes bizarre or you know and to go back to our canadian friends we also have that sort of special connection with canada you know i'll be somewhere and someone will say i'm from toronto mm-hmm. and you're like oh what it's it's like it's like it's like your cousin you know from yeah. you know oh our our canadian cousins although i've heard that some people say that buffalo is their favorite city in canada
1: oh <laughs> Some will take offense to that but we'll let <laughs> we'll let it slide um uh, so well, you've you've obviously been you know really busy being creative and writing. what else are you doing here? Let's give these listeners something I mean, what other books are you reading things that could pass the time because I keep telling people get over the whole sports thing you gotta find a new hobby or interest for a little while maybe
2: Well I have been going around before this happened, to uh, libraries and senior centers and community centers. And I was teaching a class about writing your own story. And this is actually a perfect time for the grandparents out there, the parents, maybe parents of newborn babies. (laughs) We are living through history right now as we speak. Now is the perfect time to write down your memoirs, to write down your memories, to write down things like the store on the corner of Chippewa uh, to pass down uh, because those stories are a part of the fabric of Buffalo history. And, you know, I'm sure when my father-in-law told me that story, he never thought it would end up in a book, you know, that would be read, you know, throughout the country. So our stories are important. And if you ever, anyone that's listening, if you ever thought of writing down your stories, now is the time to do it for sure. You know, That's funny and you what, say that
1: because my wife bought a book that different memories, like it's a lot of questions that you write down the answers and then you give it to the kid when he's older. And uh, you're absolutely right. You're right on the money there. That is something people should be doing like we try to do. We try to archive stories here in License to Talk, but you can – not every story needs to be told out in the public. You keep it in, in that drawer for somebody later or just to have like, hey, let's open this up maybe in 20 years.
2: Absolutely, and you'd be surprised once you start to write down your stories, it's like a waterfall and they just start cascading out of you things that you forgot that happened to you and you know and when you call up your friend and say hey do you remember when we did this when we were seniors in high school and they'll say yeah and they'll start to laugh and say but you remember this
0: <laughs> and then
2: boom and it just and that's how it starts and that's a great way to reconnect with your friends as well you know
1: well, um, that happened the other day to me. Uh, Mark's brother Tim said, "Hey, Jimbo, remember when I pushed that girl into the pool and she, <laughs> she, she blamed you and slapped you across the face?" I said, "Yeah, what? I, I can't believe that happened." And he just started laughing at me. So you're exactly right. That <laughs> that happened to me the other day.
2: So now's the perfect time. Now's the perfect time to catalog and record those memories. And because people are interested, you know, you don't think they, mo- you don't think they'll be. You know, the stories my grandfather told definitely have been a major influence on my writing, you know. And if you think about that, how incredible that might be, that something you write down. Maybe your grandchildren will pick up and turn into something, you know. That's a gift that you're leaving for, you know, the next generation or the generation after that.
0: Yeah. I I, I said that I was just built for this. This is like my Super Bowl. I could sit around and read or play guitar or draw or do whatever. And then I feel bad for the people who are going crazy. You know, they need, you know, social, they need to be out. They need to be doing stuff, you know. Uh,
2: And one of the things too, that I think that lends itself to doing that is that you don't have to write it on paper. You can record it, you know, how you guys are doing that. Uh, you can you can put it, um, you know, using your phone. You can leave videos. How special would it be if you had a video from your grandfather? Oh, yeah. You know, wouldn't you treasure that forever?
1: That's a good idea. You're full of yeah. ideas. No wonder you <laughs> got five, five, six books. You're all over the world.
0: You're brilliant, Lisa. I got to mm. hand it to you.
2: Oh, well, I got to call you guys more often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, reading uh, the books. It, do you find that the real a lot of your real things are technology and figuring out technology and social media?
2: You know that's something you that you you so have to stay on top of because it changes so fast. Um, which is one of the nice things about writing about cold cases is that, uh, you, you know, I'm I'm kind of using you know older technology more than the newer technology but for my book the secrets they left behind i did have to deal with you know uh, the the fbi and you know they're they're looking for these three girls and part of the problem is that their entire night is documented incredibly well uh because of instagram uh because of snapchat because of facebook uh and uh, all of a sudden it all just ends because all their cell phones are left in the house. Mm -hmm. Ah. And so they, they can't be tracked. And it's almost like everything up until that point is documented. And then there's nothing. It's just a blank slate. And we've come to depend on technology so much that when you take that out of the equation, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, a police detective could flounder nowadays if they don't have those tools to use, if they have to go back to old fashioned police work.
0: Right. Cause in the book, I think in the first book, she creates a Facebook page and by the third book, it's like she's using it all the time or, yes. you know, it's, it kind of shows her progression of using social media.
2: Yes. You know, and that's something a, a lot of, you know, a lot of cops, That our pre, you know, we, when we were coming up, um, there was no internet. And when we, when, when I say we, I mean myself, who I'll be 50 in December, you know, I was a kid of the eighties and we didn't have the internet. Um, We didn't have cell phones. And so, you know, everyone, my age and older, you know, who worked on the job, there was a lot of backlash when they first started introducing computers and then the internet, you know, you know, people. You know, didn't want to learn. And then it became impossible not to use it. You know, you had to, or else you just couldn't get by. And now, but now I'm afraid that they've forgotten the old fashioned way of doing things because you take away that technology and then, you know, you've lost those skills, those people skills, you know being able to talk to someone, being able to walk and knock on doors and go from house to house, you know, the old fashioned canvas, you know, things like that. And being able to, you know, communicate and bridge with people and instead of just sending someone a text message. You know, so uh I I I try I, I try to get into that a little in well not a little a lot in the secrets they left behind is that they have to resort to using this undercover because technology that they're so used to relying on is is just it's useless
0: right
1: well you're doing great things lisa uh we wanted to check in with you sell some books um they're all available at dog ears the new book is a full cold moon it's a fourth installment of lauren riley she's in iceland this time a cold case series and then of course you got the new book the secrets they left behind
0: yeah. Uh, and also, do you think that this right now is kind of so you're saying like canvassing and knocking on doors. Now everyone's home. Wouldn't that just be perfect? <laughs> you know, no one's anywhere.
2: Uh, you know, it, it it's a it, it's a conundrum that a lot of authors are facing, you know, that are in the middle of writing books that are supposed to take place now. Do you include the pandemic in your book, you know? How do you work that in? Or is that something that people will, you know, a year from now are people going to want to read about that or are they gonna to wanna to try to, you know for, you yeah. know, forget about this little episode, you know.
1: Yeah, you, you know yeah. you could include term? uh Buffalo speakeasies in there. But you know they're <laughs> you know they're out there, you know.
2: Oh uh, um <laughs> and, or you know, is that something is that something people will want to read about? You know, um, I maybe not because everyone's actually living it as opposed yeah. to when you read a book, you're reading about things that you haven't experienced. Well, this is something we're all kind of going through together,
0: you know? Yeah. I was I was, I was asking it also as, like, say you were on the job, and, like, right now, if you had to go question somebody, like, they're going to be home, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, the people are put, you know, is that... I'm saying that that would probably be awesome for somebody who needs to get questioning done now.
2: Oh yeah, in in real life it's probably great, but kind of boring if you're if it's a book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Oh
2: yeah, I gotta find this. I gotta find this perp, and oh, I just knocked on his door and he was there with a the mask on. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Not very
1: exciting. Any advice, <laughs> being a retired uh, police officer for? the public out there, how to, how to, how to treat your officers, how to, you know, I always say limited travel right now, cause you don't want to get in any trouble. Is, is any advice out there? I would just say, you know, use
2: common sense and kindness because, you know, you, you know, you don't want to get sick. The officers don't want to get sick. You don't want your family getting sick and they don't want their families getting sick. You know, because it's not – this is this is the type of thing where it's it's not just you. You know, we all have to think about our neighbors constantly, you know.
1: Well, we it's were paused just- for a little while, Lisa. I mean, we, you know, we, we we know everybody was healthy, but it was just kind of like, eh, let's just feel it out. Maybe we'll call this person. Like, we, we've even been trying to do it, but license to talk won't stop. you You know that.
2: You know, I think everyone – I think everyone has has been, you know, more. This has given us all a time to reflect on what's really important, and mm-hmm. it's not about things. It's about family. It's about friends. It's about our neighbors. You know, it's about our our older um, folks, and you know, that might not have anybody. You know, and I think it's um, been a great testament, especially here in Western New York, which I I, I would say is really the city of good neighbors, you know, I think people are just, I think people around here just really, because we're all connected, really care about each other. And I'm actually proud that I'm from around here. And I'm so glad in my books. And that's why I always, no matter where my books end up, they always start in Buffalo because it's just such a great place to live and to be from and to have roots here, you know, Um, And I'm really proud of how everyone has come together. My daughter had her 18th birthday um, on April 18th, and her friends um, organized one of those, you know, sort of drive-bys. And... They got my my family, my friends involved, and she had this huge parade, and I put it on Instagram. And if you go to my Instagram page, you can see the video I posted on Instagram. And she's on our front porch, and she's crying, and it's the most touching thing. And and just people around here are so wonderful.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I really think that people might, uh, when Christmas time comes around, flood the malls and you know, go out and stand in lines, actually, not do what they've just been doing is you know ordering things online you know things might actually survive that we thought would go away
2: i i definitely definitely have been trying to patronize my local businesses you know and i think i, I know i think everybody shared you know this is the time to remember that our neighbors are the ones who own these stores you know and uh if you know People are – I can't believe how extraordinarily accommodating everyone is. If you just call, they'll bring it out to your car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you're you're not sure, just call the business, and, you know, they'll they'll bend over backwards to accommodate you, and I think that's great.
1: Yeah, and, you know, let's just keep following the rules, and hopefully soon I'll be able to serve your husband a nice tall Guinness (laughs) – and he'll say thank you, lad, like he always does. And, yes, uh, he will. And, and uh, it was—it was really good to talk with you, Lisa. And we'll—we'll we'll be, you know, putting out your book info and where to get it from on our social media. We—we we really like talking to you, and we just want to say thanks. And hopefully, everybody stays safe in your family and your friends,
2: and you guys too, and everyone out there. Um, but we'll—if we if we all if we all pitch in, we'll all get through this together. You know, we always do. This is Buffalo; we always
1: do. Yep. Well, thank you very much. The new book is A Full Cold Moon, and don't forget the secrets they left behind. Lisa Marie, you're already licensed to talk, so we're just going to say nice to talk to you again.
2: No thanks.
1: All right. Take care, Lisa.
2: You guys too. Bye-bye.